Good morning, happy 4th, welcome to the CU Podcast, a day early, the 4th of July, 2022, that's Ian, I'm Pat, it's me, uh, would you raise your hands if you're sure, right here, uh, uh, you must be sure, on the show today, we'll be talking uh, about uh, someone who really loves F-Zero, uh, we'll be talking about, you okay with your back, Ian? A big stretch, a big, big cat stretch, big cat stretch, uh, Cyberpunk 2007, bug, bugs and what happened there. The EA tweet from hell, uh, the Atari 50th uh, anniversary celebration collection, a new NFT console, and more. The shit never stops. Uh, We talked with spoilers about uh, Stranger Things season four, mostly, and Ian talked about a few things, Uh, mostly me rambling on the exclusive Patreon CU podcast, cupodcast.com. No, it's not CPOSCOM. It's patreon.com slash CPOSCOM. I screwed it up. <laughs> What's going on? Not a whole lot. I uh, had a busy weekend. I talked about organizing some records on the bonus bit. The bonus. Um, went and played a little pinball last night. I had some plans fall through and uh, decided to get out of the house. Vani was at uh, doing night zoo with one of her, uh, her friend, Karen. Night zoo is the best zoo. It's so cool. Uh, and she got really good pictures. There was two. Ele- I, I'm bummed I didn't go. <clears throat> there was two elephants, and they were playing with each other, and their tusks or their uh, uh, trunks? trunks were all intertwined oh, and cool. stuff. Yeah, so she got really good pictures of them being super active. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I went and played pinball at Harbor Town Pub, uh, local place, uh, probably the place I've played the most pinball at. Um. And I like the food there. I like the bartenders. Food's they're, pretty good. They're really nice. Good nachos. Uh, yeah, good good nachos. Uh, pulled pork nachos are overdone, but they do a they do a good a good one. Um, but my problem there is it's a bar, and I don't expect there to be kids. But there's always fucking kids running around at Harbor Town. Why do you think that is? Is it the area or the? I think it's the else? area, and it's like the one place where shitty parents think they can go drop their kids off in the back room, and then they go drink. I mean that's even, they, even though it's not like a traditional arcade, it's pin, no, mostly pinball. It's pinball. Yeah. So they give their screaming kids money, and then the kids put the money in the pinball machine, and then they literally like flip the balls and then stand there banging the glass. Like it's it's just and no one ever does anything. They about bang it. the glass. What are they three? How old are these kids? Oh, some of them are like eight. I could play pinball when I was eight. I wasn't doing that shit. No one fucking takes care of their goddamn kids in this bar. Man. And I'm playing, and the kids yesterday weren't like too bad but they kept like crowding me when like when i was playing to try to watch (laughs) and i get pretty active so like i'm hip checking these fucking kids in the head and i'm not trying to i'm not trying to because they're small and they're like sneaking up on me and i'm wiggling i'm like fuck (laughs) you're you're wiggling You're wiggling pinball moves. I've so, seen you. He, you get the gyrations going. You're Elvis. Yeah, going there. So, anyways, <laughs> anyway, anyway, I uh, anyway, 
I, I, one of the game ends and this little girl who I am not kidding you cannot be more than six years old. Okay. I end the game. I pick up my beer. I take a drink. I put it in the cup holder and I feel this little poke and I turn and the girl looks at me and goes, I drink beer too. And turns around and walks away. What? What? So wait, wait a second. Yeah. Was she smiling or matter of factly saying it? Matter of factly saying it. I, I drink beer too. She was like, I drink beer too. Or she goes, You know what? And I said, What? And she goes, I drink beer too. And she turns around and walks away. So, wow. anyways, when I first got okay. there, the kids weren't like super annoying. And the replays, the score based replays were low enough that I was winning some free games. Uh-huh. And uh, in an effort to get them to stop like harassing, like screaming at their parents for more money, I was like, There's a free game there. There's a free game there. Oh, you started to just mine it. So I was giving away. Well, no, I wasn't putting money in, but oh. like, as I won the free game, oh, okay. I was like, you can play my free game. You can play my free game. To get them away from you. You were yeah, sacrificing exactly. your free game. Yeah, I was sacrificing my free game so I could fucking focus on the game. Ian Pinball Penny Bags. And uh, <laughs> Money Bags Penny So they all go sit down and eat after uh, this girl tells me about beer. And then she comes <laughs> back. She comes back. And pokes me again, and I look, and she goes, can you rent me more free games? Like, like, sassily. I think this girl's just messing with you. Sassily. I, th- I think she's a She's six. Kid. No, she just doesn't have parents who know how to take care of her. She comes up to me, she's like, can you win me more free games? And I was like, I... I was like, I, do you have no. I, I, at any point? Do you want to just go over to the parents and be like, "Can I talk to your parents for like a minute, just to like say, hey, she told me you, 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 she brings beer." Not to not to drop a dime on a six year old, but a six year old should be drinking beer. That, not, yeah. <laughs> if it's true, and if I'm it's sure true. she was just lying, but it was sure. it was very weird. Anyways, I I have done that to parents before. There was a kid like uh, a week ago uh-huh. that I was playing there, and literally whenever he'd drain a ball, and I'm talking, it's like a seven, eight, nine year old, he would go and start hitting the glass. And I walked over to one of the parents and I said, if he breaks that, that's going to cost you about a thousand dollars, which is a lie. The, the tempered glass is probably about 300 bucks, but you want to get the point across. I want to get the fucking point across that this is expensive shit. And it, he anything? was all, no, he was all like pissed. And then like at me for saying it and then walked over and was like, Hey, don't do that to the kids. See, I would have told the proprietor about that. Then they would go over to the parents. There's, there, there's no fucking proprietor. I feel like I, I don't know. People that work at the, people that work there. What do you mean? Well, there's not a whole lot they can do. They, they try, but then that's their tips. Okay. It's tough. Service industry fucking sucks. It's tough to it's yell well, at their kids and then expect to get well, a tip. And that's, do you really they, think, they're do you really think they're strong enough to break the glass? I don't fucking care with a with little, little. I don't give a shit. Little, I don't want to listen this. to a fucking little shit kid fucking bang on glass <laughs> and scream at the machine because no one's ever fucking disciplined their goddamn child. Well, aren't kids great? No, that's why I don't have any. <laughs> I don't mind kids. I just don't. Good kids are great. Good kids are exactly. bad. Kids are the worst. Exactly. That, I think. I think that, that's good how kids I, are cool. I like hanging out. Like good uh, kids, my nieces, nephews. Yes, like, awesome. But but either kids are either bad seeds sometimes or. The parents don't parent, and that's what you know. And with. this place is definitely like known as a dumping ground for kids. It's known parents, as a dumping ground. I, I, kids for, for parents just want to get drunk. Rarely do I ever see a parent who pays attention to their child after they walk in. They walk uh, in, hand them the money, and uh, then they disappear. Give me four Jack and Cokes and uh, give, the, give the kid three dollars and go to the back. Man. Whew. Anyway, Nintendo fan, this is a good one. Um, 
a, a, a I have friends like this too who love F Zero. A Nintendo fan. Well, spent, I love F Zero. Spent forty thousand dollars buying stock. This is a Nintendo fan in Japan. Uh, he spent five point six million Japanese yen, or over forty thousand dollars, on Nintendo shares for one stock unit. I don't know what a stock unit means, but okay. I'm assuming it's an it means enough to get in on an investor call. Um, or you can and, like dial in and, and talk to them. Yeah, and the fan asked Shantaru Furukawa, the president of Nintendo, whether the company had considered relaunching some fan favorite games franchises, specifically F Zero, which was a racing game series that hasn't had a new entry since 2004. It's 100 shares is one stock, according to this. 100. Uh, the fan who is based in uh, Japan. Oh, so maybe they are. Uh, maybe they're American uh, and used an online translator to communicate. Told Insider over Twitter direct messages that he bought 100 shares. Uh, in February, he bought 100 shares at 56,430 yen a share in February after selling his stock at another company. He wishes to remain anonymous for privacy, but he says he's a, <laughs> a diehard Nintendo fan. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. Well, that's one way to do it. I so mean, I guess you've got I mean, the money. I mean, we've brought this up probably five times the past couple years. Mm-hmm. We talked about what IP should Nintendo bring up. That, bring back, that was a top. We're like, F Zero sitting right there. It was it was popular enough that they got three games and an expansion on the N sixty four. So three and a half games they got out of this. What well, the there's he- a bunch. There's two uh, GBA games too. Oh, if you can't, okay. So it was like five. So like, what the hell are they doing? Why has it been like fifteen years on the, that we haven't seen anything? Like, what's happening here? And um, I always said at the time that they did some math in their head and was like, well, we already have a racing franchise, yeah. so why do this? Even though they're different franchises, F-Zero is pure racing. It's not a party battle racer. It's pure racing. So there's room for both. Yeah. There's room for both. There are different uh, sets of fans, and you can play, and you can buy both. It's not like you buy one or the other. Yeah. They fulfill different But I needs. also agreed. I feel uh, like Nintendo feels like it's silly to do two racing franchises, and I think that's why it's been so long. Um, because the last F Zero, the GameCube one, was uh, critically acclaimed. I mean, yeah. it was a very good game. I mean, if uh, the the common complaint was that it was too hardcore uh, of a game, like it's very very difficult, and it sold a lot. Yeah. It was a million seller, I believe. Then they did a fucking. Uh, I don't think was it, it was. Was it? I don't think it was because that game's pretty hard. It, it's harder to come by on the GameCube. Oh, harder, but it's not like one of yeah, the most but I, 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 well, I don't um, think it's a, like I said. I don't think it's. A, all right, I'll look it up. I, I, I believe I've had the million seller one, but let me look that up. My in my vast my vast GameCube collection of stuff I found at the swap meet uh, over the years. All right, go on, Ian. Um, so, anyways, uh, anyway. Furukawa's response was: uh, It is realistically difficult to develop new titles and remakes, including sequels, for every Nintendo game that people request. But we are very grateful and appreciate the expectations our fans have for our games. They did have a player's choice version. Oh, okay. So they did re-release it. Yeah, it's common. It's a common game for for GameCube. But anyway, so um, so they they asked the question. And you get you get the answer that you know, we just don't want to do it, basically. Yeah, we don't have the time. It's not a priority. So we can't, we can't do remakes of all our games, even though they just did Advance Wars. And I would say that uh, well, people would, don't want a remake of F Zero; they want a uh, sequel. But but like the point is, is that you you can do something with these properties. I think if they if they did a remaster of F Zero, would still do well. If they didn't just make a whole of new game, GX for yeah, that, they would that do well. well. But that uh, that's probably a little bit more difficult because that was developed by sega they probably had the rights to the code right they probably had all that 
Not necessarily. I mean, they didn't with Goldeneye. You know, I mean, it, it depending on who your developer is, it's going to make it more difficult. Mm-hmm. I don't think Sega would be adverse to doing uh, it. Sega's but, taking any money, so they, but, they I mean, that, I mean, that could be part of it. I'd be I'd be shocked that they didn't own own the right the full rights to that to F Zero because that's like that's sort of like that's a franchise. Goldeneye wasn't a franchise for them; it was a one off. You know. That was just something that, you know, they, when Nintendo sometimes happens to publish some games, like they published Mega Man 6 on the NES, that's like just it's almost like, I don't know what the relationship is when they do that. Like, why why did they do that? I don't know. Maybe because just to help out Capcom or Capcom didn't want to do it. I have no clue. I mean, yeah. my guess is probably uh, Capcom maybe didn't want to bring it over to the exactly. US because the NES was on its way out and Nintendo is like, no, this is popular here. So we, we can sell. It. We know we can sell some of them. Yeah. So we'll give you some of the money. So yeah. So anyway, but no, this is their this is their franchise. They have a character in Smash Brothers that goes back to the original. Like this is this is their this is their thing. I don't think this is you know th- this would sell. I think this would sell well with the proper marketing. I think this. I, I don't know what the last Punch Out did, but we got a Punch Out on the Wii. I mean, it must have did okay. Okay, I know it's a weirder thing, Punch Out, but F Zero is just racing. Yeah. You know, like you don't need like a bunch of lore or anything. It's just Punch Out is like Fancy Simon. You just remember what Fancy to do. Simon. Yeah, <laughs> just we'll bring Simon up later on in the podcast. He needs foreshadowing a little bit. Yeah, I believe. I've been playing Nintendo games since I was a kid. Among all that, among all that sense of speed, and F Zero was the best. And then basically said, "Eh, we can't do, we can't do uh, everything. We, we, you know, we can't do everything." So, Moving on. I mean, I mean, Nintendo though keeps things close to the close to the chest, close to the oh, ca- Captain Intro. Moving on. Okay, I'm sorry. Fire Emblem Heroes makes. <laughs> I got a lead. Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes makes one billion fucking dollars. One billion dollars for Nintendo. Uh, that is their mobile game, which I have not touched. Uh, but I feel like it's probably got to be one of their. Uh, that's it. As far as no, Nintendo, that's their best one. Goes not like Pokemon Company and shit. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I feel can, like yeah, that's the one that makes them. Have their five or so they've done. That's the one that they they keep doing because yeah. it makes really good money for them. I know Trag was really into it. Um, from my understanding, is it's a game that is pretty decently playable, even if you don't want to put a lot of money into it, which is probably why mm-hmm. it it you know did so well. Um, but. Obviously, there's always going to be whales. Yeah, so they had Mario Kart, and according to this IGN article, Mario Kart Tour and Animal Crossing are in second place. Joint second place, they earned $282 million total. Uh, and then Dragalia Loss is fourth. I, I didn't realize they did that. At $168 million. They, they shut it down, too. That's that's over now. It's gone? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to then, shut it down. And then Super Mario Run, remember that was one. That was their first one after the weird, remember the weird... Uh, me, me, me Tomo, what the fuck was it called? Um, me, me, yeah, Me Tomo. Whatever, was it? Me Tomo was one of them. I, that was the first no, that one. was the 3DS one. What was the, the experimental one where you yeah, was a no, social... They're, they're basically this, I the one you ask if people if they like bread. Yeah. That one. That was like their experiment to see, can we do mobile games, basically. Right. Then they come out with Super Mario Run, which I liked. It was, I thought but, it was great. But that was $10 bought up front. They didn't realize at the time Nintendo that that's not, a, that's not what you do with these games. Yeah. You, you monetize the shit out of them. Uh, but I liked it, and I thought it was worth 10 bucks, and I completed it, it 100%. It was a great game. I love but, that sort but of But that made only $87 million despite having... Half of overall downloads on their apps. I show you how how bad it was that no one actually bought it. They downloaded it, they played the demo, uh, whatever missions uh, stays, and they didn't buy it. And Doctor Mario World did the worst at fourteen million. Yeah, they shut it down last year. Uh, I didn't realize they, they shut it down. Yeah. Oh yeah, they shut it. We, I'm pretty sure we talked about it. So that was only in existence for like a couple of years, a few I think, years. I think two years. Wow. 
Yeah. I didn't think that was terrible. I just didn't get into it. I was just like, oh, it's you know, it's fine. Yeah, but I, just, I played through most of the story mode. They really shut that down and played a couple online games. Oh, it, online was fun. Um, yeah, they shut it down. Wow. Like I said, I thought we mentioned that in an intro. No, I don't remember that. That's like, well, uh, okay. It, it ended on November first. It was out for only two, like two years. Yeah, two, like not even two and a half years. July uh, two thousand nineteen to November two thousand one. Okay. The point is that this is done gangbusters. This is their this is their app game. That's done gangbusters. Sure. So Nintendo figured it out, and it went from saying we'll never do app games to we're going to do an app game and not realize what the market is to they sort of like figured out to, what the we've sweet made spot. this gotcha RPG and that's what everyone apparently wants. Everyone wants stuff at UltimateNintendo.com now. <laughs> they fucking they actually do. Delete, they want all the uh, enamel uh, pins. They want, they want the RBI baseball stickers. Holy golly, they love uh, everything. They, love, every, they love the Ultimate Nintendo guidebooks. <laughs> Holy golly. Uh, they love all of it. Uh, they're, and they're going to love me uh, this weekend mm. in Greenville, South Carolina at the Southeast Game Exchange, July 9th and 10th. Why are you giving that look? Don't for love them too much. <laughs> They're going to love me in South Carolina. I've never been in South Carolina before. Flair country. Uh, you know, Flair yeah. used to always say Greenville. And Greenville, He was yeah. always on his list when he was on WCW. We're Greenville! You know, we did part of his tour, NWA tour in the 80s. You ever see Ric Flair's uh, a schedule that someone like posted at one time, how nuts his schedule was like in the early 80s? No. It was insane. Like, I bet. And, and that was alongside, you know... Uh, drinking every night and railing every woman he get his hands on it was like insane he was doing like six a week six shows a week and traveling sometimes more it was nuts so anyway i'll be in i'll be at the southeast game exchange come out and see me i'll have stuff going on there and i'll be on twitch wednesday twitch.tv slash country code Ian will not be there Mm-mm. but you should it's a fun time people like it Ian Ian enjoys it the once every eight months when he's there yeah you see that EA tweet about single-player games? Oh, Jesus. EA is fucking dumb. They're always getting themselves into fucking hot-ass water. Hot-ass so, hot <laughs> water. Hot-dog water? <laughs> That's hot warm water. Hot-dog water. Um, so, where the fuck did it go? Come on, now. The tweet? The tweet's yeah. right there in the article. Oh, okay. Uh, EA tweeted on July, uh, June 30th, uh, there are 10, but they only like playing single-player games. And, uh, yeah. This and they is... got ratioed to the ends of the earth. Um, it, it it is crazy because a lot of developers chimed in on it uh, about how you know they were working on a single player game and oh. lost their job. Um, how some of their most successful games have been single player games, like the Dragon Age series. Um, Mass Effect was also a single player game trilogy, right? Yeah, yeah, a trilogy. Uh, they published Anthem and then killed Anthem because. Uh, that online game didn't fucking. Oh, work the out robot for them. weird thing one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the top reply was our our pal Matt McMuscles using an EA uh, Madden image clown post. That's a meme where it's literally. Uh, actually, a, I think that's from NFL Blitz. Oh, it's from Blitz. I think that's from Blitz. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, uh, that makes it less artistic, less poetic. But that was a top eleven thousand replies. Um, yeah, so, Dead Space, they like they De- shut Dead down Space. Dead Space, which was one of their most popular games. But they're still doing single player games. That's that's well, yeah, they're also still doing single yeah, player that's games. That's what makes which it weird. Ma- which which makes it odd, and it makes it seem like they're shitting on their teams that are hard at work or making just, single player and, and, games and shitting on their legacy. Yes, like like what are you doing? Yeah, it's it's fucking done. Dumb. The, the last Star Wars game was single player. The, the, where you're the redheaded uh, uh, Jedi. Yeah, I, 
We don't know the names of these things anymore. No. But that's that's single player. That had a story mode. Like, so what are you doing? What's what's going on, EA? Star Wars Redhead Revolution. <laughs> Red, redheaded Revolution? Yeah. What, what the hell is <laughs> EA uh, game Star Wars uh, single player? Fallen Order. Is that was that? I think. No, no, it wasn't that, was it? Yes, it was. Okay, then we did it. That's it was. We found it's only name. twenty bucks. I like Redhead Revolution. It was a third better. person action adventure from Respawn Entertainment. That came out like two years ago, three years ago. But even like like the Squadrons game has single player on it. Uh, that came out. Yeah. Even have, so what? So what are you doing? So obviously people t- took offense to this because of the reasons we said. Plus, of EA obviously buying out studios with that were known for single and player and just shutting them down. And I know these. This isn't like a hire for EA tweeting this out. They hire social media like folks that are clever to do this stuff, like the people that run the Wendy's account and other things. Um, shout out to the Steakums account because uh, that's funny and it's philosophical, and that's probably just when it works there. You know, no, uh, they've done a whole background on him. I can't remember oh, really? what else he they're does, not from Steakums. He's not. It's an actual Steakums account, but he was hired out. Oh, I thought that was like, like does Steakums know about some of those tweets? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They do? Okay, they the, that's their shit. philosophy. The point is, is that if this is on your social media, this is the stance of your company. This right. is PR. So, obviously, there was fierce backlash, and then they had they backtracked, what, a couple days ago or yesterday? Uh, they back, they backtracked and said something. It was fucking lame as hell. Yeah, uh, they said, uh, uh, where was it? Uh, roast exe- or L L accepted or something like that. Oh, uh, uh, roast well deserved. We'll take this L because playing single player games actually makes them an eleven. That's not what you insinuated from your post. Yeah, absolutely. and why would why would EA of course want to focus on multiplayer games? Ian, why would they want to do oh, that? Because of all their fucking uh, microtransactions. Thank you. That's yeah. where they make their. their that's where they make their boats. All their fucking uh, FIFA card packs and NBA shit and things like that. That's where they make their money. Yep. It's like dev time versus profit. If you're looking at the scale, it's uh, least amount of dev time per dollar on all that shit on those card packs and everything. They realize that they're not stupid. They're not stupid. They're, they're going to make that make that bank. Uh, we'll never forget. We'll never forget the. Do I have to move on, Captain Intro? We'll, we'll never forget the, the another minute. The Need for Speed mobile game. Oh, God, where they charged you for gas. <laughs> From several years back. That, <laughs> yes, that, that's, that's, that's in the Ooh, Hall of Fame. That was one of our like first conversations about microtransactions. It's like 2013 God, or we 14. Were, we were fresh-faced. We were young and plucky. Pat, yeah. Pat had no gray hairs yet. I might have. I started getting my grays early. Did you? Yep. I don't remember that. That's when, that's when you saw your Prince Valiant look. Uh, Clean cut. Yeah, maybe. Short hair. I don't remember that. Uh, you know. So anyway, I just think it's funny. Uh, speaking of gamers, toxic fans are called out here recently in the industry uh, due to a couple of things that happened. The uh, Monkey Island creator, Ron, is it Gilbert or Gilbert? Gilbert. I like Gilbert. It sounds fancier. Um, he's basically saying there's been no updates to uh, return to Monkey Island. Because people are being assholes about about the game and the art direction. Basically, the art uh, direction. They're like expecting pixel art or whatever. Um, the this art is extremely stylized and honestly looks a lot like the old art that was used for some of. Um, it, basically, it's in line. The characters look like the characters. You're the Monkey Island expert, so you can talk about it more than me. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say uh, other than I mean, I think the games were great, and I, you know, this is a 
different look for the series, but uh, Ron Gilbert's in charge. There's no reason to assume that this is going to be a bad game. It's just a bunch of fucking assholes who who are ask who, uh, who think they can control a developer and bully a developer into making the game that they want, uh, as opposed to the game that he wants to make. I'm just sort of shocked because I didn't expect a franchise like this to have. I'm being naive, Pat, to have this level of toxicity towards it, being that this goes back to the old, you know, adventure games on the PC. Well, I am kind I of thought, surprised by that, too. I honestly I figured the adventure game community was would older be and more mature, older and more mature. Exactly. Are we going to have people fucking going after, you, you know, old uh, Sierra folks? You know, if this happens, are people going to be going after the, the next King's Quest game? Because they're going to go after, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, um, and then it also happened to like one, I think the producer. Uh, oh, so anyways, going back to Monkey Island real quick, Ron Gilbert shut down the comments on his blog and says he's just not going to fucking talk about the game anymore. And good for him. Uh, people know about it. People that Put like your mental get, health first. Yeah. Some of the comments here are just um, waited 30 years for this. Just when I wanted to say, whatever you do, don't make it a leftist multi culty gender BS. I saw this ill graphic style. This can't be saved anymore. We'll definitely not buy it. Uh, um yeah it's, it's, when you get and also comments like that it's like okay you don't know these people are actually fans of this or they're just using this to pump themselves up or just it's just mob mentality i, I think Let's that's just, a lot of yeah. it. It, it it's a way for someone to go and say something mean sure you know about something that they maybe never had any you know uh plans on playing um and also it's a lot of people being like oh don't inject politics or, you know, satire or anything in this. When what these things have always been that way. I mean, these games always make little knocks and stuff like that. It's sure. like people who watch Star Trek and be like, well, Star Trek's woke now. No, you're just a fucking moron. Star Trek's always been, you know, yes. this way. The fact that these people grow up and don't. They, they, they see different things based yes. upon their worldview than what even the creators intended. Correct. Which is they're, they're like reinterpreting things. Yeah, the Star Trek thing was insane when, when you saw that. Star Trek's always been, every time. Star Trek's always Star been Trek. super progressive. Yeah, exactly. Like, always, like always. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, so this also uh, happened with the uh, producer for uh, God of War. Said that there was no real news and asked everyone to remain patient while waiting for more news on the game. And it's a bummer because this game's taking a little while to come out. You know, right. a little bit longer to come out than people wanted. But they're not giving in to like crunch and which, stuff yeah, like that, which just is wait great. A little bit, yeah, a little bit longer. I think. I think this is going to go to show like. The, there's going to be, I think, diminishing returns. These companies are looking at this and be like, "Well, what's the point of releasing this information? Like, what is the, what is really the point? There is no point we, anymore. When it's ready, we'll come out with the trailer for it, and people will get interested in it. What's the point of having all this information up front? Again, it goes back to the fire pro thesis. Once it's done or close to it, we'll tell you about it, and it's coming out. Nintendo has now done this, uh, you know, great after after the Metroid Prime uh, fiasco. Well, that game, who the hell knows when that's going to come out? Where it's been five years since they announced it, or six years, whatever it's been originally. Like, there's no advantage to, to letting people know about this stuff from a financial standpoint or even for mental health until it's ready. So, a development director for EA named uh, Alex Mann uh, made a tweet, um, tweeting Dominic Armato, uh, who is working on the new Monkey Island game with Ron Gilbert. Um, and Alex Mann says, When folks continue to wonder or ask why some game studios don't communicate or speak about games ahead of release anymore, or why they don't engage with communities, this is 100% why. It's not worth the personal toll and cost to mental health to continue to, dry, uh, to try. 
I it drives me nuts how so many of these people think that they are owed this and they will scream and screech at the top of their fucking lungs. Uh, Yeah. And it's and unfortunately, they think they can make a difference. I saw some people talk about the uh, the backlash to the Sonic movie and how that helped uh, get it done. Uh, There is a negative part of that, because now people probably do think, hey, if I yell out enough, they can make changes to the shit I don't like. Sure. And it's so rare. That was such a rare exception where that happened with that Sonic movie. And I think it's, it's a, very rare. My, uh, I, my, I think the reason it happened is because I'm going to guess a lot of the people in, on the art team for that movie were like, looked to the high ups and were like, we, we fucking told you. Yes. This is different yes. because these are people making the game they want to make. Correct. With Sonic the movie, the artists probably hated what they were being told to do too. So they used it as an opportunity to be like, yes. trust us. Yeah. They had, they, they probably wink had the model ready to go originally what it should have been and we're and, yeah, we're and saying, like, no, we want to do this look instead. look yeah. at what we can do yes and they said no we want it to look like a human teeth thing that, that it, the point is, is that it's the same mentality you, rightly or wrongly it's the same mentality yes, say, well i'm sure. gonna scream and yell and i'm gonna get what i want and like i said it almost never ever happens when it comes to this stuff oh jesus uh, uh this um Woman, Estelle Tagani. Pro tip, sending me dick pics asking for the God of War Ragnarok release date will not, in fact, get me to reveal the release date. So, fucking disgusting. Oh, boy. Humanity's amazing. It's amazing. Was that in the Eurogamer article? There, yeah, yeah, it is. It's further down. You go. There's some tweets there. Fantastic. <sighs> uh, Cyberpunk 2077. One of the probably most infamous cases of a game not ready for release that had tons of game-breaking bugs and the time we figured we asked why was this released how could this have been released at the time besides yes they wanted out and you had you know the the the, uh cd project rex uh, shareholders and stuff but it sounds like there was actually like a substantial reason on the qa side about what was happening and uh this is from for the win it's a USA Today article. I did not know there was an imprint called For the Win on USA Today. Uh, Cyberpunk 2007 bugs reportedly caused by deception of the QA team. So basically, what it sounds like is that they hired this QA team who promised we're going to have the best working on this and we have the best QA people working on this. And it sounds like they they uh, shortchanged CD Projekt Red and they just got a bunch of juniors on. Didn't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah. And then the team was uh, made up of junior staff with less uh, than six months of quality assurance experience. So instead of then like trying to break the game and finding the stuff, they were just handing over laundry lists of minor bugs instead. Probably doing the opposite of what QA probably is. You try to break the game first and then worry about the little shit. Yeah. Because obviously if you break the game, that's bad. Right. And it's a broken game. Broken game. And... um. It's still incredible, though, that there wouldn't be checks and balances to this along the way. Like you, there would, was a qu- so uh, they, they, there was a quota of bugs they had to report each day, and they don't know whether or not that was internal or imposed by CD Projekt. Changes things a little bit. If it was imposed by CD Projekt, well, you get what you ask for. Unfortunately, sure. If it was internally uh, uh, demanded, then that's just a bad fucking. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for disaster either way. But where's the blame lie? But uh, yeah, I'd be shocked though, just from a project management standpoint, that yeah, if I hire an external uh, team to do this, this is still my game. I have to have someone running that team. Right, you can't have and it be. A, the, you can't have it be totally okay. Here comes the list. Here's, here's the, the report no. from yeah. No. 
you have to have someone that's like double checking this or even being like, hey, like because the programmers are running through the game as well. And they have probably some people like, okay, are they catching this stuff? Like we're catching this stuff. The QA team should be catching this stuff. There should be like some sort of like, you know, trust but verify system in this that sounds like was just, oh, we'll just give it to them. We're not going to worry about it. That's insane for a game this big. I can't picture that this happening. Like, I just can't. You would expect there to be game-breaking bugs. I would expect there to be on a game this large. Sure. You would think. And it just sounds like it didn't happen. It says, uh, yeah, uh, the programming QA team is being inundated by minor bug fixes. Yeah, it's great to find minor bugs, but you can always fix those down the line, like as, as the game's even live. Like, that's not as yeah, big as find the stuff where, like, what you need to find is the stuff where, like, the dude's riding on the motorcycle and then T poses and his pants disappear. Like, that's what you need to. Uh, yeah, but they, for. but they still released the game. Uh, they they could have probably said, all right, we need a, six months. We'll just hold it back. It's I mean, just, and let's see, what is Cyberpunk doing right now? Cyberpunk. So Cyberpunk 2077 right now on Steam is surprisingly not on sale during the... I thought it was. Oh, it is. It's 50% it's fifty off. <laughs> okay, so it's like 20, uh, 30 bucks? It's 30 bucks. Okay. Um, and it has mostly positive reviews now, so maybe they've gotten that figured out. But uh, with every little bit that comes out about the development of this game, it just sounds like... Remember, it's only been out for like a year and like nine months. Yeah, sounds like a shit show. So anyway, so at least that answers our questions why we were like scratching our heads like how could this happen? This is like gives a hint to how it can happen. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about this, this Samsung thing real quick? Uh, sure. So uh, Samsung is releasing a TV, putting out a TV um, that is going to uh, have Stadia, um, Xbox Game Pass apps and GeForce uh, now uh, streaming apps. It says Amazon Luna is coming soon. So I don't love streaming, um, streaming games, but for a lot of people, it's probably good enough to fuck around. Um, you know, Xbox Game Pass has streaming options. People still play PS3 games through streaming on PlayStation Plus or PS Now, whatever it's now called. It's like a different tier of PlayStation Plus. Um, and Stadia is somehow still kicking along. Uh, so, oh. point being, streaming is good enough for some people, and we're finally getting TVs that are putting these these apps on there. Um, we're still not at the point where I, I think gaming is going to go console-less, but these are the first little baby steps to seeing yeah. you know, gaming becoming something else. Yeah, like, I would, uh, be, I would be more apt to get uh, Microsoft Game Pass if I was like, okay, I'll fire it up on my TV. I don't need a console. I don't even need the Series S anymore. Let's just see what it looks like. And then worst case scenario, I can still play it on my computer. But yes, it would be nice to play it on a TV. Yeah, as, as long as yeah. you've got good internet and the streaming is decent. Because it, it is. Yes. I mean, you're not downloading these games. It's not like there's a hard drive on the yes. TV. It's just what's your Wi-Fi or, or if you're tethered up directly, it'd be great. But almost no one's tethered up directly anymore. Because right. people's houses usually don't, aren't set up like that. But you know, if you want to run a 50-foot line, I could, I could run a 50-foot line on my TV if I, if I have to. Uh, you know, so... You know, it's interesting. I, I didn't realize how many of these had. I, I knew about NVIDIA's uh, G Force. I knew about Stadia. I never heard of Utomic before. I never heard of that. Neither have I. Utomic? Yeah, I don't know anything about that. And then uh, the Amazon Luna one that we hear about coming. It's just everyone's getting in on the action. It's 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 the uh, the, the the streaming app wars of 2022. 
Um, there's also pass-through controller inputs, which See, is interesting. That's cool. Uh, you can use a single controller instead of having to pair multiple ones. And uh, HDMI-connected video game consoles will appear in the hub, so you can kind of fire up anything. Oh, so if you're in the hub, you have the console connected. Connected. You could still use your TV remote, go to the gaming menu, click, you, click you that. Would, you, would have to, you would have to change the source and everything. Right. It'll okay. do all that for you. Okay. So, I mean, it's cute. All right, Samsung. I got a Samsung TV. I like it. I don't know if Ian likes Samsung. Oh, I was always, I was a diehard Samsung until it came time to get the OLED and LG have the best OLEDs. So that's when I well, made the switch. But I was always Samsung ahead of time a lot of before time, that. The sources are the same for the for the actual screen. Well, LG here. makes the OLED screens. They make their own? Okay. And then I think Panasonic's OLEDs use LG's uh, OLED screens. Gotcha. Uh, I don't think, or maybe Sony's use LG's. Um, I don't think there's anyone else right now besides LG manufacturing OLED screens really? in the capacity that they do. Okay. Ian, with some TV uh, tech news right there. I got really into oh. looking at my OLED TV. I love it. I think I, I it would be tough for me to go back because the colors are so nice. Okay. And then uh, I believe we talked about this EA thing. Why is it down here? Did you did you talk about it earlier than we were supposed to? <laughs> I just, um, or did I move it? Oh, uh it was EA, the, the yeah, you moved oh, it, but did it, but did it gotcha. move the one article? It was underneath oh. the... Uh, We're breaking the fourth wall. The here. ultimate Nintendo stuff. Yeah, it's all right. That's fine. You, you, is that okay with Captain Intro? Yeah, it's all right. Atari celebrated 50 years as a brand? Atari. Last week, brand? Because the company changed names from Syzygy, whatever it was. Yep. So this would have been nice for the podcast last week. This is a cool thing. It's the uh, Atari 50th anniversary celebration. This will be a retrospective game compilation, uh, and it's going to be uh, from Digital Eclipse. I, yeah, I uh, I have the utmost faith in this being a a a, especially if you like history, if you like uh, information, and you know uh, that sort of stuff. Um, the Digital Eclipse collections. Uh, like the SNK 40th anniversary, uh, the Street Fighter uh, collection, um, they go out of their way to make sure that it is packed with information that you would want, art you've never seen before, you know, interviews. So I'm really excited for this for the educational reason or for the educational stuff. But um, it's uh, 90 games across six systems. So this isn't going to be your usual, um, you know, 2600 game dump. Yeah. yeah. You know, with a, with an interface, yeah. uh, they're, they're going to be even putting some Jaguar games on there, which is, that's exciting. It's very exciting because Jaguar emulation is not great. And none of, very few of these games have ever really been revisited except for by the very small, hardcore, uh, you know, Jaguar fan. So you have exactly. interviews with folks on here. Uh, our pal Harris Scott Warshaw is interviewed, obviously. Um, there's going to be um, six titles inspired by the classics. If you look quickly in the intro, you can see there's going to be an updated version of Yara's Revenge and Combat. So, so that's at least two of them that there's like a, a, you know, a new modern version on there. Um, and then there's stories. Like I said, stories and interviews. Um, there's uh, Gary Kitchen and uh, David Crane. Uh, there, if you see that, Ian, about 26 seconds in. So this is this is about like we talked about last week. What, how you are the how how you are the guardian and steward of of these IPs and going forward. And this is exactly what you do. We we, we mm -hmm. touch upon like you do you do uh, compilations, you do things, but this is this is how you pay tribute because this might be the last time we see this. Yeah, I mean this could be it. For I mean a hundred years from like fifty years from now. 
or you probably won't see this. Uh, but this like this is how you do it. You have all the great games. You have interviews with people. You have memories, uh, and you have some remakes, and you do j- justice to the history. And uh, yeah, and this is really cool. Uh, so they are doing. I think you you mentioned it a little bit, but the six games they're doing six new games on there that revisit. Yeah, older stuff. So uh, Sword Quest Airworld is finally going to get a release, or they're, they're basically the people at Digital Eclipse made it. Based on the design, you know, uh, based on design influence That's a great from the original idea. games, it's 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 fucking cool as hell. And then Haunted Houses is uh, Haunted House is going to get a, a voxel based sequel uh, called Haunted Houses. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's apparently going to be a vector area, a vector like type game um, that pulls from Asteroids, Tempest, and other so, vector based classics. A new Breakout, Quadra Tank, um. And then the Yars Revenge. So you're going to get, I'm doing the math in my head, 2600, 52 probably, 78, Atari Computer, Lynx, and Jaguar. That would be my guess. Yes. And I'm guessing some of those uh, Atari games, 80s arcade games we, we love. I'm guessing. I'd be, I would hope some of those are there. I right. hope. I hope we would get like Paperboy and Rampart in those. But And maybe. I feel like this is something Digital Eclipse would do if possible, um, especially for the PC version. Uh, allow an option for a trackball in there pain in the ass to go and find now no one has them but that would be a neat thing to find in there at least the mouse and you know well i'm sure they'll do that but yeah yeah. the mouse give me a a trackball look at him look at look at me a trackball look into his eyes please please he just want to play centipede the right way at home and how while i'm at it and you you got tempest with a spinner it's gonna be (laughs) you got got the jaguar uh looks like the the jaguar tempest put the rk1 on as well that'd be great because that's never really been released has it on some, I guess some compilations had the the arcade uh, Tempest. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I'm pretty sure they do. Some problem in the comments is we didn't talk about Star Wars Arcade. Well, there's a rights issue that would be great to get the Star Wars Arcade game on there. It would. Uh, that was Atari. I always forget that yeah, that was, it was Atari. Yeah, that was Atari. Um, but it's weird because there's a Star Wars Arcade game for the ColecoVision. Well, yeah, it's 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 the same arcade one. They just ported it over. Yeah, I mean, it's just it was, I mean, it was on the 2600. It's just it's just it's just rare. Yeah, I, I think out. there was a 5200 version as well. I think I bought it at Luna Video Games, two locations. I think yeah, I bought probably. It there, one time. Um, there was an Asteroids. Uh, there was Asteroids on... Is this like a Jaguar Asteroids? So we'll see what the list is. I would love to know two things. Price and the games. I want to I want to see a list of games. I'm going to guess uh, it'll be a 59.99 sort of ba- you know average release. But maybe not. Not a 40, they'll go up to 60. I think so. I think all their other games were sixty, and I mean it. Well worth it. I want the eighties. I want. I this is a this is a day one buy. If I get all those eighties arcade games, I always talk about the great mid eighties run, seven twenty, all those. It's a day. I mean, day one. I'm more excited about that this than the other compilations we've seen because of that. Plus all the interviews and stuff. Well, yeah. and the thing I love these uh, compilations, especially for systems that I don't. I like Atari stuff, but I like playing it. Unmasked. Like, I like being able to flip around between games and I don't focus on one at any given time. And this, you know, this is a system that maybe I don't know everything about and I can just buy this one collection and have a real good time with it. So, we don't have a release date yet on this? No, I think it was just announced. We don't have a release date or Or price or games. Yeah. I get, well, obviously, we'll get the game list. A lot of it's going to be 
the ones we've seen before on these compilations, but there's going to be, or whatever you can get on the Atari VCS, but there'll, I, be, there'll be some, probably, hopefully, ones besides the Jaguar. I want to see Jaguar, I want to see Lynx. Just like the SNK collection, they yeah. did focused on a lot of stuff that we maybe never got to play from SNK. I have a feeling they'll, they will do a good job making the game list very interesting. It looks like there's some, obviously, third parties on here. that I saw Minor 2049 around here. I wonder if they want to throw in yeah, you kind of muddy it with some of the Activision Atari uh, 2600 games, but it'd be nice since they're kind of synonymous with the console. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's Atari games. Yeah. I, I don't think we're going to see the Activision ones. No, I get it. I get it. I'm looking at the, there's a, the quick list here. They show them. You, know, you, you get, you get, you get uh, Scrapyard Dogs in the 7800. You get that classic on um, there. <laughs> looking at some of these here. Uh, some of these third party. I'm trying to see uh, which ones are third party real quick. Uh, I actually never played 7800 Asteroids. Never played that. Um, I, I played it on on the Ever Evercade, and I mean it's whatever. It's fine. It's just a graphical update. Yeah, it's not vector. It's just like a more of a full color sort of thing. Gotcha. Okay. And meanwhile, other pal uh, Leonard Herman, one of the OG video game historians, we love Leonard, uh, author of Phoenix: Rise of Video Games. I think I think there's a is there a fifth version coming out? Jesus, I think there's a fifth. I have I have fourth. Yeah, he gave us the fourth. He was very nice. Um, he published. For the 50th anniversary, the final correspondence is between Nolan Bushnell of Atari and, and Ralph Baer, who created the Brown Box, which became the Manabox Odyssey, the first uh, home video game console. And um, talks about the rivalry. This is on his website, thegamescholar.com. I'll, I'll try to I'll link it on the YouTube below. Um, they, they were uh, professional rivals, it looks like, up to the very end. Yep. Um, uh, it, it's an interesting read. The big takeaways is that they obviously, uh, the rivalry centers on the fact that, you know, like, like R- Ralph, Ralph thinks that, um, you know, he th- uh, Nolan Bushnell went to the event where they saw the Odyssey or the Brown box at the time, uh, being demoed. And then Nolan then came up with Pong, uh, after that, he like, he took the idea and made it, you know, he perfected it. And, you know, so so obviously there's some ill will towards that. They, and they settled that, I believe. They settled that stuff in, I believe, I believe in court some of that was settled. I, I, I believe uh, some yeah, of they, that. Yeah, they, uh, they, they talk about that in the letter. Um, but then Atari had the Touch Me little handheld little game, uh, which was a, rep- a repeat pattern game. And then uh, and that became Simon. Ralph Bear was like, you know what? I can do this better and add sound to it. And Simon was a cultural phenomenon while Touch Me is like a footnote that no one talks about. Uh, which yeah. is funny because my grandparents, uh, my grandfather loved it, had a little Atari Touch Me, mm-hmm. like the little portable one. And it made sound. It made sound. I don't know if the original version did. But oh, it, okay. it, it was. It wasn't like the big light up buttons or anything like that. Uh, it have the same tones? I think, I think the tone I think thing it's was different. Was like, yeah, I okay. think it might be different. So anyway, so, so it's interesting because they had rivalries. So a lot of this letter is them sniping at each other. But the big thing... That Ralph wanted, you know, Ralph basically wanted receipts because there was a there was an insinuation. You can read it that Nolan Bushnell was like, "Hey, Ralph, you looked at my notebook with my ideas and stuff." And Ralph's like, "Oh, that's interesting. Where is this notebook?" Well, and what I love I is how yeah. he's like, he's like, <laughs> "That sounds really cool. That should definitely be preserved." But I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. In, the nicest, that, in, in the nicest way possible. In the nicest way possible. Ralph's yes. like, "Hey, that'd be great for preservation." Ralph's like, "All my stuff's preserved in the Smithsonian. They have copies of all my notes and all the stuff I came up with. They right. have my original brown box. boxes. Where's this magical notebook?" Just unloads on him, and like, it really is like it's, it's but it's nice. It's a nice, <laughs> yeah. 
Ralph's a guy you want to share a sandwich with, uh, with uh, there. And and then uh, Noel never responded because I think he realized uh, they, they don't like each other professionally, going back to the 70s. Yeah, and yeah. they talked a little bit about, and I, I feel like that's kind of lame, about how uh, they like 99, 2000 uh, uh, CGE, um, they were supposed to like meet up and play a, a game of Pong and see who the winner was. In all goodwill. And, you know? and, and, Bear, and, and Nolan said he was going to be there and Bear showed up and Nolan never showed up. So, so it seems like Bear was probably a bit more um, magnanimous at the end. Uh, into the idea of, you know, let bygones be bygones. Burying the hatchet. Yeah. But it seemed like. Bushnell, on the other hand, was harboring uh, some very long-time grudges. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know Nolan. Uh, he's still around. Never met him. But Nolan, Nolan, if you look at, like, his, historically and monetarily, came out much the winner, if there was, was a war at all. Right. Uh, due, to, due to, obviously, Pong and Atari and, and then selling to uh, Warner Communications. Uh, and he had he had the Funhouse. The Funhouse. Uh, fun uh, was it Funtime Pizza or whatever? Uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Uh, became Chuck E. Cheese. So he had all this stuff going on. And Ralph was just you know, led led a you know more quiet life and was mostly forgotten about for most of you know video game history. Yeah. So it's like I don't know why, from my perspective, why no one would still you know hold these grudges. Right. You came yeah. out on top, man. Like yeah, it, this you was, both can share credit if you want to share credit. Twenty years ago, thirty years ago, you can both share credit. So you know, there you have it. It's interesting to check out. So the combination of, of that happening and this, so I'm actually, I'm actually kind of excited for the celebration collection, especially since. If this is a leap forward, I think I saw murmurings of, you know, a new Jaguar emulator or, or advances in order to do this. That's significant. Sure. For the whole uh, the scene. If that if that emulator can be used or sourced in the future to like, you know, that's that's significant. Right. Because I haven't I've not heard of a Jaguar games like this being, you know, re-released like this. No. So no cool. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ian? Yes, Patrick. It seems like if there's a theme to the almost 10 years we've been doing this podcast, uh, it's just over nine years at this point, it's one bad console idea that turns into a scam ending and another one beginning. There's been about three or four that has happened uh, throughout the podcast of one scale or another, maybe five, if I really think about it. Now we have almost the, the culmination of, of of what could be potentially a new scam console. So yeah, we went from VGS retro VGS to Chameleon, uh, both basically the same thing. But if you get, look at the nitty gritty, there's some delineations sure. uh, marks between them. And then right as that ended, we got into the Amico, and uh, there, there's even little ones in between the retro engine Sigma. X, yeah, Dreamcade was problematic. You had you had these other ones. Uh, then you jumped into you know Amico, which we've uh, needs no introduction, does not need to be talked about in any depth here, uh, and that's kind of winding down. I don't know that we're ever going to see a true end to it, um, but that's winding down. And here we have Polium. 
which sounds like fucking polonium, which is, uh, yes, an element, but also what... Uh, a radioactive one. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the whole polonium tea, you know, to... That the Russians g- use to... to give you, you know, uh, yeah, radioactive poison. Or poison. polio. It also sounds like polio. Yeah. Sounds like polio. A horrific um, disease. The polium system, the first thing I want to point out is that they simply took the GameCube logo and rotated it into a P-shape. Uh, and, uh, Polium has come out and said that, uh, they did not copy it. They said the difference is theirs is a P and represents, uh, uh, blockchain and Nintendo's, uh, is a G, is a, is a G and represents GameCube, which is their system. I think that's the same argument that, uh, Vanilla Ice used when, when they sampled the uh, under pressure from Queen. Yes. I say, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. it's the Tings. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was that? What was that called, uh, on VH1? Um, Vanilla Ice sings the dings was what I think. <laughs> there they- it is. <laughs> So, uh, Polium is going to be a next-gen multi-chain console that plays games that are built on Immutable X, uh, Ethereum, Solana, Polygon, uh, Wax, some other bullshit. And, uh, it's going to, uh, it's going to bring multi-chain, wa- it's going to give you a multi-chain wallet for trading, swapping, and bridging. Uh, you're going to be able to download games in metaverses. Uh- Buy and trade NFTs. Uh, there it is. Ding, uh, uh, there it is. There's a, there's a. Yes. Well, it's an NFT. Well, game. that's what I said. It's all, it's uh, all the blockchain games. NFT gaming console. Uh, you can check leaderboards, transactions, and game activity, and stay connected with Amazing. your friends. Okay. Uh, they also wanted to uh, you know promote their clean dashboard for playing games quickly, which literally just looks like a what? stock Android box screen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. I think it's funny where they. Um, they have to in this day and age. Well, I mean, the Amico couldn't do a clean, uh, clean interface. We saw how awful yeah. that was. A clean interface, yes, Ian, is literally. Well, let's make it look like every other interface that exists. Let's let's have rows, maybe columns. Maybe you can sort, click a button, do by alphabetical, or like your 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 uh, you know your bookmark uh, games. Like that's all you need for an interface. Like it, it should be more difficult in 2022 to do a non. To do like a complicated interface, to do a non-clean interface should be harder than doing a clean, easy-to-use interface. Because we know what we like, and it's just things laid out easily. You can scroll, maybe, and have rows. Like, that's what you need for an interface. So, uh, the controller is going to have a thumbprint scanner uh, to keep your uh, console oh. secure. And it will have a uh, button that will bring up your wallet. So you can, because that that's what that's what you need on a video game console is a button that quickly brings up your wallet. I mean, so clearly this is bullshit from the start. It's just it, so, a money making. So they're already they're already basically capitalizing the fact that well, these NFTs are worth money in all these games. So you want to quickly be able to you know trade them and buy and sell you know sell them buy them at the push of a uh, well at least a thumbprint to bring it up. So. By the way, the controller looks like you said like it looks like a PS4 controller. Yes, looks like a PS4 controller. Just the middle would be the probably the thumb part. I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe instead of the trackpad. So here's the uh, time the roadmap they have uh, for this. Can I really quickly say that it bothers me now more and more since you pointed out the GameCube thing that this is not a cube shape. Yeah, this console it looks like an Android box. Yes, it looks, it, it, it's a it's a um, rectangular curved curved edge looking Android box. Yep. Uh, so here's the, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna, so here's the, uh, the roadmap. 2022's Polium Pass and PFP Airdrop. The Polium Pass is the NFT that they're going to sell 
They're going to make 10,000 of them, and you have to get one to be a... When you get one, you become a holder, and the first 10,000 units that they're saying are going to be out in 2024 are going to go to those holders. So get in early. Yes. So, the, so you buy the NFT to get the console rights to, to get it once it's out. Right, which I'm going to come back to. 2022 is PFP airdrop. I don't really know what that means. Profi- uh, profile picture airdrop. Yes. Um, staking. Uh, 2023. Game tag claim. 2023 as well. SDK. That's software development kit, right? So Wait, the ones that are coming out? 2023. So they're not even going to have the SDK out when they're asking you for the money for the Polium pass. Then the Polium wallet will uh, come up on twenty in 2024, and then the Polium one will release in 2024. Uh, so uh, this is uh, what's going to happen. Uh, okay. This is what I think is going to happen. So Polium pass is first. Of course it is. On the roadmap. Because that's what people buy. So what's going to happen, I see this as a rug pull immediately. Uh, they're going to sell 10,000 polium passes, and then this is going to go the way of Amico, where nothing ever fucking gets done. Okay. So let's and then go- they're going to disappear. Okay. So polium pass gets you the rights for the console, the hardware rights. They'll ship it to you. In 2024, holders will get their polium one, and in 2025, there will be a public release. What games will be available during launch? Here's, here's where some of these things... Uh, there's some similarities between this and stuff we've talked about in the past. We are currently in talks with multiple game developers. Oh, talks. oh, this sounds familiar. This sounds real familiar. We're we, in talks. We will list the games on Discord in the launch library uh, channel. Uh, there's some countries that'll be uh, in, uh, unavailable in. Uh, will the console have a warranty? Yeah, we'll talk about that in 2023 is basically their response. Mm-hmm. Will the console be safe to use? Uh, yes, they will be required to use Touch ID. When you first set up your console, the software will perform safety checks to make sure the console is genuine and safe to use. Sure it will. Um, what will be the specs? Again, we aim to build a high-performance console. The specs you see on the site are not confirmed until we have a functional prototype. But here's the crazy thing. They are promising uh, a functional prototype in a few months. Even though they can't release specs right now? They can't release specs right now. They don't know what it's going to be. There's no SDK for it until 2023. But they're going to have a functional prototype in three months. It's almost like I almost applaud them because they probably see how crazy people are about game consoles. They probably see people like, oh, people love video games. People love NFTs. Let's combine these two. And we can come out with a, with a hardware that, let's just say this is a real product. It'll come out. Let's okay. <laughs> I know. Ben, benefit of the doubt. We, I, know, we, I know. We gave Amico the benefit of the doubt. I know. You gave it 50-50 chance it was going to come out. Um, and that was early on. Either way, you gave the benefit of the doubt. Let's say this comes out. What are the odds that this will be a nightmare? Well, what are the odds that this will be like worth anywhere in the stratosphere of what you pay for? Like, let's just say the NFT I can picture being worth like five, six hundred dollars, and the console be one hundred and eighty dollars, like in terms of parts. Sure. Like, like, like they're claiming eight K gaming, like six, one hundred twenty frames per second, eight eight K, eight K for Axie Infinity. 8, yeah, it, if a you, game it, that looks like it, it, it's it's literally like just blobs. And that's the that's, that's the most famous successful that's the most popular one most successful NFT game and, and that's falling apart and it's currently falling apart. Yeah. And that's the other thing they're uh, talking about this coming out in 2024. That's a that's that's being real bullish on uh, uh, NFTs. I, well, uh, it's, it's also being bu- bullish on game dev. Again, uh, when Tommy announced announced the Amico was we got we're going to come out in two years with this. Yeah, I don't think that ever happens. I, I, I go back to the calendar and see if it came out October 10, 2020. It gets better. It gets better. 
The total supply uh, will be the 10,000 passes for the for the consoles, which, by the way, when you buy your Polyon Pass, it's like buying the physical product. You're not guaranteed a console. Well, the no. Con- the console is a free perk of getting the uh, well, getting. That, the that's how all of these exactly. NFT things have exactly. worked. They, pull, they release an NFT, tell you all the things you're going to be able to do with that NFT, go quiet, and then rug pull. Because, because then they can't be as, as hard to accuse you of being fraud when they can say, well... We didn't promise you that you weren't buying the console. You're buying a, a blockchain place, yes. which is NFT. We didn't promise you uh, the Evil Knievel game. Uh, you bought you bought literally what's in my hand. You didn't buy a game license. Right. If, we, if, we, if we never came up, come out with a game license, you're fucked. Guess what? Pat's fucked. But I got this box. I can't believe like we were so deep into the Amico stuff that like it was ridiculous. But like it. This is an NFT. This is this is like literally like in terms of it and like this is a promise of something that'll never come out. I just can't believe how insane this move was. Yeah, but this is an NFT essentially. This is a, Ian. This is this is a ro- we have a roadmap to a console. Yes, here's t- we want your money, and it'll never come out potentially. This is exactly what this is. Well, that's it, what they're doing. Yeah, that's yes. what they're doing with NFTs. Yes. So it's uh, um. And the uh, other thing is they're doing some Amico level gymnastics in terms of talking about who this is for. I can't find it right now. It might have been in the white paper. But they the talk paper. about how there's all these people who play games on consoles. All of these NFT games are on PCs. We're going to make a console for people to play NFT games when, on a console. Well, you can play them on a PC. See, why, why buy this? Yeah. But all of this, all of this is... Uh, Standing on a foundation of people assuming that NFTs are still going to be around in two years. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, there's a, there's an article on Video Games Chronicle uh, that's connected to this. Uh, NFT sales plunged to a 12 month low in June. Monthly sales totaled just over one billion, still insane, down from 12.6 billion in January. Pat math, that's down about 94 percent, something like that, 93 percent in in six months. I haven't had a good dose of Pat math in a while. I think it's about right. I think you're probably right. Yeah, One yeah. divided by 12. You're not super okay. wrong. So anyway, so that's pretty bad. I don't think it's going to bounce back, especially if we're heading for a uh, recession, especially since crypto has crashed tremendously and it's connected to that. It's bad. Um, this is what we talk about the logo. We did not copy Nintendo GameCube uh, logo, but we are listening to the community and we will hire a new illustrator to design a more original logo for us. It concludes some of you are not passionate about Web3 and are only here for entertainment and FUD. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Yeah, they also uh, claim that there was a bot attack on their announcement tweet uh, when what? it was really because they because it was negative reception. They claimed it was a bot attack, yet they bought bots to leave to pump it up, the pump up. Say, this is a great idea. Great idea. This is awesome. awesome. Look forward to this. Yeah, just yeah. like generic positive uh, comments. Anything is possible when you are passionate about a problem. We will deliver. Stay tuned. And they released a white paper, which is what, you know, these um new blockchain techs and and, and crypto they, they do like these like these like um the, the, you you want to call it like it, it's like a more like scientific like like paper about what we're doing what we're where we're going it's like structured right. to make it seem like it's more important important exactly yeah, exa- that's all it is and it's on their website it's just fluffing uh, shit up with a white dress shirt exactly it's like oh this is prim and proper it's like doing a, it's like doing a college essay and uh, a, a lot of it 
Uh, disclaimer, this white paper is intended for a reader with a non-technical background. We are currently creating a white paper with more technical details, which we publish to our website shortly. What is Polium? Polium is a Web3 gaming company that is building the world's first multi-chain gaming console and the infrastructure for Web3. Uh, and they, the problem is because of different blockchains, which makes them difficult to find. Even though, like I said, if you have a PC, you can just go back and forth. Right. There's, so I, there's I, no I, reason for this. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Uh, Even in the world of NFTs, we st- it w- which makes it ridiculous to begin with, we still end up looking at this like we do any other console and go, what's the market? What will happen if the problem is not solved? Without a sufficient solution, Web3 space will not grow. We need mass adoption, and to achieve that, we need to expand to the traditional gaming market by building on a product that is affordable to buy and easy to play. I wonder what their definition of affordable is. If they're saying this is going to be 8K, 120 frames per second, okay. Okay, sure. Um, and there, there's a lot more in this white paper. Uh, Touch ID, uh, which is okay, I guess, to make sure if you're connected to a, to like basically your wallet, that actually makes sense. Yes, that's, a, that's the one thing that kind of makes sense. So you can't get hacked at home. Uh, the SDK, the Polium Pass. You get your PFP airdrop. You get your console. You get staking award rewards. Whatever the hell those are going to be, and launch events in Japan, US, and UK. The fact that they put it in UK makes me wonder if they're from the UK doing this, but I don't know. Um, we don't know. Uh, oh, here you go. The gaming market size. This sounds familiar. What's what's your definition of the market? Is I think this any- is where they get uh, into, well, lots of people play on console over PC, so that means we would have more of a market on console when NFT seems like a very PC-centric thing. The metaverse market will be worth a trillion dollars or more by 2030, according to them. And so they're, they're counting on, well, that's going to be big, so we'll be the console to tap into that. People just say things. They, they just say things, exactly. Um, people on Twitter ask the right questions. What games are on this? I mean, there was a thread. What games are on this? Yeah. And like, well, we're talking to people. What can I play on this? What? And they, they try to teach them that the reason a console exists is for the games. Yeah, the response to this online was, you know, except for the bots, like, all negative. I, no one's buying this bullshit anymore. Well, the console run browser-based games. Very specific, they put that in. Yes, the console will be able to run games that are built using JavaScript, Java, Python, uh, C, C++. My guess is that a lot of these games are web-based. Yeah, HTML5 and Lua. Um, Will there be exclusive games for the console? Exclusive. We love talking about exclusive games for consoles that don't come out. Oh, we should mm. do, man. I love exclusives. We most certainly know that having exclusive games on a gaming console is a key factor for console success. When competing with big brands, it is important to have exclusive titles to even compete. However, Polium is not competing with major brands. We've heard that before. Our console is not competing with Nintendo Switch. We are an entire new sector for Web3 Gaming, and we'll have a first mover advantage we are currently in conversations with gaming studios and will be forming partnerships we will make some announcements soon what are the odds that this they actually get like a real partner like i mean like a grade a partner like ea says we're coming on board for this zero uh activist says we're coming on board like like seriously i think i Uh, think it's zero once we have exclusive games the games will be only available to play on the console not on pc or other consoles okay so this is going to be, uh, you know, basically a computer in some form or an Android box. You're saying that there won't be a way to figure this out. You're going to say that it's going to be locked down. You won't be able to play this on a PC somehow. Like you're going to put that much proprietary uh, into this that you won't be able to access it. You won't be able to have an emulator for this. This is like this is bold shit, Ian. This is bold shit. Oh, it sure is, man. 
what will be the roadmap? What will the roadmap be after the console is launched? We will have some exciting innovations that we have not announced yet in the roadmap. Our belief is that our long-term vision will change the entire Web3 ecosystem. Sure. Like mm-hmm. the Polium VR headset. That's literally on here. This is, I mean, you can't make it up. This is, this is almost like the natural progression of where we've gotten with this, where let's take the cutting-edge tech that we, that we can scam marks for and combine it with a new game console. I would never would have dreamed this happening before, Ian, five, six years ago. Because you've already proven that you can scam people. People are losing collectively millions of dollars a, a day with rug pulls and scams uh, with Web 3.0, uh, with, with, uh, with these games getting hacked, with rug pulls on NFTs, with crypto uh, being rug pulls or, or just losing money with now with now the um, crypto marketplaces themselves locking up your fucking money. You can't cash out. They're afraid. Yeah. Of people, they're afraid of people making run on their banks because they don't Bank have the money. Runs. That's they, right. They don't have the. They're not liquid enough to give out the funds. Yeah. So their money's lost. All the money they, they've taken in is not there. So their money's being held while the cryptos crash. I mean, you can't make it up. This is and this is the this is better than banks. This is decentralized. This is better. No. And now we have the gaming console equivalent, Ian. It's almost perfect. It's almost perfect. It is. We can follow this along on Web3 is going great, and we can see how much it's going to cost. Like you said, the fact that you're going to put up your money for this console, the problem is A the year console, before there's an SDK. And then two years before it's released. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 in some way, shape, or form, wish that this was going to last longer so we could laugh at it for longer, but I, I am almost certain that it's going to be uh, NFTs are sold... Uh, Long period of silence, two months of silence, maybe not even that month of silence. Like they, they they shut down their Discord, which you can go to Discord right now. It's very robust. They have an FAQ, very robust. Um, yeah, they have the FAQ. They have their media share. They have their memes. They have the community set up. I mean, it's easy to set up this stuff. They have their gallery. They have their sca- they have a scam alert support. Ooh, trying trying to make it seem like it's legit, right? And then they have in their FAQ. report other scams here, not yeah. our scam. Um, I love this little ditty in, in the will there be more consoles in the future after the 10,000 original. Yes, in 2025, our goal is to manufacture and sell over 1 million consoles. Why is that always the number? Why is that? That was like the number with the Amico. That's a number uh, that what's his name? Uh, awful uh, video game uh, pro- pro- prognosticator uh, said that, that, that there would be a million uh, Amico sold when it came out. Uh, why, why is this the number for this stuff? I don't understand it. Michael Pactor, he said there'll be a million uh, Amico sold in the first year. I don't know because it's the. Uh, it sounds like success. It sounds like success, even though you know you're not really basing on reality or nope, not at market all. trends or the fact, like you said, uh, by the end of this year, NFTs could be totally wiped out at this rate. They could be. So. Well, we talked about it uh, last week. It already seemed like Square Enix was starting to lose their their confidence in it. Sure, uh, medium medium term goal. Medium, medium term. Medium term. Uh, we'll talk about it later in the year. We'll see what's happening. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So anyway, any other final thoughts? I just think it's funny. No. Yeah, we, we, we thought we'd be done with, with uh, uh, alleged scam consoles, but... I wish. But here we are. Ian, we have a Patreon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. Are you upset we have a Patreon? No, no. I just... Um, you go. You uh, give us some money, which is nice of you. 
Um, <laughs> asked for it. Yeah, and, nice. then, and then um, we do a full video podcast bonus bits. The bonus. Uh, writing uh, by me most weeks. Um, and then... Monthly Google Hangout. We had Hangouts. Hangouts. We'll do that in a week and a half. Week and a half, yeah. Because we're both out of town this weekend. And then you vote on these. You vote on these. I got. I'm going to pull you through the fucking glass shards to get through it. Some days I get it. In second place, how is gaming on the New Jersey boardwalk different in 2022? 29%, almost one last week. But we have a a more modern topic, or at least topic that's in the news. Analyzing the all new Commodore 64X Kickstarter. So this uh, was alerted to us in the past couple of days, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't know this was happening. And before I get into this, and we're going to be probably a little critical of this, this already hit its goals. Yep. So, so they smashed through it. The goal, the goal was 30000 and then they, they've had 165000 with 12 days ago. Whatever we, whatever we say is not going to affect it uh, at all. Um, I know that there's, there's a love, love for the Commodore, um, probably a little bit more in Europe than here, but still here. There's a love for the Commodore. And uh, there's been Commodore Mini has come out the past, uh, what was it, three, four years? The Commodore Mini came out. I saw one for sale uh, at, at um, Too Many Games, right, with built-in games. And there's been uh, there's been people trying to do these, like, projects like this, like shells, because people love the original shell. They love the clicky-clacky keys. And it's a cute little form factor for a Commodore 64. Yeah. It's cute. I, I, I This is one of the first computers I used. Our computer lab, somehow, someone donated all Commodore 64s. In my Catholic school. I don't know why, but we had Commodore... Because they were cheaper overall than uh, XTs. That probably was why, partially. Yes. But I played Lemonade game. We learned how to program. We played... Uh, we learned how to type on a Commodore 64. So while I didn't grow up with one, I respect the people that did. Great gaming platform. Um, and, you know, and, and all that. So um, this has a, a few different things on this, Ian. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do want to point out that this was... Uh, I, I just saw this. This originally came out in 2011. The original concept with a shell. Uh, yes, and it was running Ubuntu 10.0, so it was running Linux. Okay. Um, and now they're bringing it back, they say, uh, you know, uh, back better than ever. So what this is is essentially uh, a nice shell, and it does look like a nice shell. Yeah. Uh, and they've put the money in. They're using Cherry MX switches. They, it looks like the keys are nice. It's going to be clicky. Um, but it's running what seems to be, you know, basically... Uh, netbook specs is how you put it, and I think that's 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 pretty accurate. Maybe it's slightly more powerful. Um, well, they claim that this could em- emulate consoles up to the year two thousand. Okay, so when you hear that, you're like, that's netbookish. Sure, sure. You you, know, you, you can probably do N sixty four, but you're gonna like you're gonna you're gonna feel it. It's gonna it's gonna be rough. You know. Um, the price on this is nuts. Uh, so just the uh, shell alone, which you can buy and then, um, you know, uh, basically put your own uh, board in. You can, you can put it, it says you can support Raspberry, a Raspberry computer module. You can, whatever you can probably fit in, whatever motherboard you can fit in. It has, it comes with a fan uh, as well. Yeah. Um, $169 USD. Okay. So you get, you get the shell, you get your keys. Expensive, but if it's a nice shell, and like I said, you know, when we were talking last night about it, the mechanical keyboard, mechanical keyboards themselves, nice ones, are not super cheap. So, you know, look at the cost in that the mechanical keyboard. Not so bad. It's when they start adding the guts to this thing. So that has 110 backers. Right. Right now, that has 110. So that's the early bird, by the way. The early bird is 169. 
Um, and then, you, like you said, you go up from there. So the early bird Commodore 64X Extreme. Uh, this is an entry-level PC in a Commodore 64-style case. You don't need to build a thing. It's all done for you. It can pretty much, this is what it says, it can pretty much run any modern PC application, surf the web, watch 4K films, TV, and even install Windows 11, play retro games, and it's powerful enough to emulate systems up to 2,000. Gives you an idea of what this is, what the graphics card capability is, you know, built in into the motherboard, things like that. Commodore OS Vision will give the user the opportunity to run original Commodore 64 games and applications. So it sounds like it's probably a pr- proprietary emulator. Uh, passively cooled Intel Celeron J6412. I looked that up, Ian. I talked to you on the phone, uh, breaking the fourth wall. The MSRP on the chip is $54. That's uh, consumer price on there. Um and then I'm not familiar with what board it has. I couldn't find that. But it also has it has um, a 250 gigabyte uh, solid state hard drive. And I looked that up, and that's about fifty dollars. Uh, and then for that. four gigabytes uh, of DDR4 RAM, probably not a whole lot. Expandable to eight gig. It sounds kind of like the VCS because that was expandable. Expandable. That was my first thought when I saw this. Sure, this is like the VCS. It's yeah, like, it sounds like it's in that realm. Yep, it does. It's it's wow. a, it's basically a hobbyist computer that you can do, you know, uh, you can stream on, you know, emulate some stuff, get a few games. Um, and I mean, honestly, uh, not more more pricey than the Atari VCS. That's kind of crazy. Five hundred and sixty nine dollars for the early bird. On yeah. Here. And it goes uh, up pretty exponentially. The because well, oh, with the ultimate. Yeah, yeah with so, the ultimate. So they have. They have the extreme, which is like you said. This is the Atari VCS. You're not going to be running Cyberpunk on this, probably, or, or you know something like that. But you'll be able to emulate most consoles, and obviously the Commodore 64. You don't need anything. I, I, and so this one has um, how many backers does this had? This has that had less backers. Um, that had only nine on that one on the extreme. So only nine to. Um... Yeah, there's only nine backers on the extreme. There's a hundred something, 110 backers on the case, and then there's plus the, two fourteen. You go to the bare bones, yeah. And then there's up. the ultimate. Um, I'm sorry, duty. Okay, so, there's so, the, so, the ultimate, which only has 21 backers, but makes sense because it, why would you if you're already going to spend spend more than you should yeah. on, on on something it's, like this? You you're going to want the more powerful version. It's divided you've, up. You've there's, clearly got money to to burn. There's like 320 for just a case. For extreme, there's about 80 if you combine oh, both. Okay, and then for let's talk about the ultimate, which they have 38 plus scrolling up to the early uh, 38 plus 21. So, so they, have, they have they have 60. The ultimate uh, will emulate systems up to 2010. It says it also has a GTX 1650 graphics chip embedded on the motherboard, which means fantastic AAA gaming, 3D rendering, and pretty much any other graphical intense application you can think of. I I'm going to doubt that. The fact that it's not its own uh, graphics card and it's integrated. I know the, some of the laptops have more powerful ones, but even those... Oh, my laptop has a, a GTX 3080. The, my laptop runs shit separate? at like PS5 fucking is it, levels. Is it integrated? No, in it's, separate. it's separate. It's okay. separate. So this is where I kind of scratch my head uh, at this point, because I can picture wanting the case... Put in your old Raspberry Pi. Pi. You just want to play Commodore stuff. Yeah. Like that's it. I think that's actually um, pretty cool. For $170. Okay. I gotcha. The medium size one. If you don't want to 
if you if you're a hobbyist or if you don't want to put in your own Raspberry Pi or your own little mini Android board or whatever or a little mini netbook board, I get it. Do it for me, and it's what is it? Five hundred seventy dollars. Still expensive. It's still probably overpriced, but you're taking care of the work for me. But now when you get to this level where you're spending $1,425 for, by comparison, something that's going to be a lot less powerful than a rig that would cost that much. That's where I kind of scratch my head about, what is this? Yeah, man. What is this at this point? Because you still it's an Intel Core i5. Um, you get the NVIDIA GTX 1650 graphics. Uh, it's built in. It's probably better than you know my old what, what my what obviously my netbook has. Uh, you you get uh, still only four gigs of RAM, um, expandable to sixty four. Um, I'm sorry, you get eight gigs of DDR uh, four. It you get four. Okay, you get a five hundred gig uh, solid state. That's not that much more than the the two hundred fifty six one. That's not going to cost that much more. So this is the one I scratch my head, not just for the cost, but like who actually wants this? Like, like what's the audience? And obviously there's 80 people that want this because now you're talking about the form factor of something from the 80s, cute and clicky clacky, but I want to be able to play newer games on here and, and have this be like, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, I don't get it. Um, it's 8 gig of DDR4 on this. What I want to uh, point out, you know, while we're talking about this, is when I initially saw this, I thought this was going to be uh, more like something that I actually think is really kind of cool, and that's the ZX Spectrum Next. Okay. So the Spectrum, you know, was a very popular computer overseas. Um, and what the Spectrum Next is, is it's actually, uh, it, it, they say it's still an 8-bit home computer, Um that will still run uh, the original software, and you can still use the original hardware on it, which is pretty interesting. I think it's an FPGA console. Um, For the ZX Spectrum? Yes. Uh, Standard Life, blah, 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 blah. The next, industrial design. The case is really nice. Um, so, yeah, I can't quite tell here on the wikipedia page but i think there are multiple i think there's multiple fpga cores and i think it's probably running an fpga core for the spectrum and it is and it, uh, it's it, expensive it sold out looks like that it sells out every time they do them because but, people love them but it was uh less money yeah than than, than the medium size extreme it was 300 pounds right which is honestly for what it is pretty cool and um you know the idea behind it was they wanted to you know, kind of appeal to, it says right here, retro computing enthusiasts and to encourage a new generation of bedroom coders. And that's when I see people like, I think, uh, Dylan Cuthbert from Q Games. And I want to say maybe Mike Mika okay. and a couple other people that I follow online have these. And there is uh, like a robust, like new, like uh, hobbyist coding scene online. So, so this, this is more in, in, this is more in sort of line with the spirit of, of the time and the coding language and the it, it's homebrew. literally a remake of yeah. the original computer with extra bells and whistles sure and it's 200 dollars less yeah and this uh, is something that i think is very interesting if commodore had gone for that i was telling you yesterday if apple well, were to release something like this that was an apple 2 mm -hmm. i would fucking i would i would I would buy it no matter what. Well, here's the thing, though. They're this isn't Commodore. They're, making this. they're trying to get the Commodore license. Right. So that's the difference. I sure. Think. It's sort of like, well, I was, you know, um, I'm more of a ho like a glorified hobbyist enthusiast that's into producing these. I can make them. And now why I'll go out to, to the Commodore people and get 
get the rights to it. So it's it's sort of it's coming from a different I think space because of that. Oh sure, I just uh, wish that's what I had seen. Oh sure, no I I, I no I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I look at this and I'm like, well, what's the difference? You can make this without the Commodore print on it and just put out. The case, the case. In, the, in the keys, right? That's that's the way I see it. I, it, it it's it's uh, connection to the original Commodore is tenuous. It's gone. Yeah. It's, just, it's just the form factor. Um, um, yeah, like, this, like the VCS, the Spectrum Next actually did uh, pretty well too. Three thousand ten uh, units sold from the first Kickstarter. Three thousand, three. Th- they sold three thousand ten plus units. Wow! In the first Kickstarter, three thousand ten. That number is the cased ones. So they were selling boards initially too. Gotcha. And then the second Kickstarter. 5,000 plus on these ZX Spectrum wow. Next. I'm telling we, you, people love this I think thing. we missed talking about that at the time. Cause we, cause we I, about, I wish I had known. Cause, we, yeah, I, we talked it, about the handheld and how that turned into a disaster. Yeah, that's. but I think that was different people oh, yes. doing it. Um, eight years ago. I, if I had money to burn, I would buy one of these. I think it's cool. I would never get very far with it, but I would love playing the homebrew projects, uh, and it would be fun to Load explore. Up the emulator or a dino yeah. emulator if it has FPGA. And it would be fun for me to experience a uh, a home computer system that I never got to touch. Yeah, and it's a beautiful, like, uh, gorgeous. The colors, the multicolors of the black. It's, Damn, it's beautiful. I do want one. <laughs> no, they look great. <laughs> they, they, it's really I never. Cool. I, I mean, I, I got the, 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 the smaller, the t- t- little Timex Sinclair in my garage at the swap meet. I never saw the big one. Before yeah. I saw, I saw like the mini one. Um, yes, yeah, so it's not not to disparage this project too much, but it, it just shows you like the different spaces there. And uh, the fact that you said they sold like that many, like eight thousand, five, six, seven, eight, eight thousand ten, eight thousand ten uh, without uh, accounting for loose boards, which I don't know if they did that in the second run. Gotcha. So I think this, like I said, this is interesting, but again, I'm not sure what the audience is because right. if, if you don't, if you want the games, just buy the mini. Even though you're not sure. using the keyboard, uh, I do like the idea of the case, like we said, and or the, even the medium one. Even though it's probably overpriced, I really wonder how much the licensing costs. How much is the licensing into this freaking fourteen hundred dollar one? How much is having that Commodore literally just the logo on there? How much is that accounting for? Because that's all the connection is. I will say I do like the little on on the on the side. You can slide in a little SATA hard drive. Quick and easy. Yeah, I think it, I think the Commodore uh, one has a built-in solid state, and you can add a SATA. Yes. Okay. Yes. So they all have the, the built-in. Well, the two do the, the medium and the, and the large ones do the medium and large, the, the the extreme and the ultimate do. But yes, either way, you can click it in probably into the board, and it's like quick and easy. I do like that idea. Do that because obviously, you know, the SATA boards can could hold. They're a lot cheaper. Uh, the SATA versus uh, the solid state flash drives. They're a lot cheaper. So all right. Well, either way, they, they made their goal, and best of luck. Um, I almost bought the, uh, like I said, the mini one with the, with a Wico joystick. I know I people who it. have it and said it was pretty fun. It's fine. Just to yeah. play the Commodore games. That, you know, I didn't grow up on it. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low-sugar, keto-friendly bars, which are plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars and Nut and Seed Bars contain one gram of sugar or less, two to three grams of net carbs, and each bar contains 150 calories or less. 
Yeah, I, I love these. Monk Pack bars have an amazing chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate, coconut cocoa chip, and caramel sea salt. The coconut cocoa chip, for instance, is my favorite and reminds me of like the soft granola bars we had as a kid. They're perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack between Zoom calls, or as a guilt-free decadent dessert. By shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store and have Monk Pack delivered right to your door. These bars are not just for people eating keto. They are a great snack for anyone looking to reduce their sugar intake while still enjoying delicious, flavorful snacks. I've been working from home lately. More of a sedentary lifestyle. It's nice to have something healthy and quick that I can kind of grab. Yeah, it's a nice quick snack. You don't feel guilty. It's like almost like a treat sometimes. You can use it as a dessert. Uh, my favorite is probably, you know, I love peanut butter and dark chocolate. And that's, that's probably my favorite one. In addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO, with no sugar, alcohols, soy, or artificial colors. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and entering our code CUPODCAST at checkout, or just click the link in the description down below to get 20% off. Monk Pack is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So get some yummy, healthy bars. Go to MonkPack.com and use our code CUPODCAST to save 20% or click the link in the description below. Get going. Ian, we got voicemails, don't we? You go to Anchor. We do. You go to, you go to Anchor.fm slash to see a podcast. You I go. I feel like this This has been a, we've been going at a good clip today. <clears throat> It's only an hour 24. It's like you're like struggling, but you know, we're, we're like way ahead of schedule. No, I know. This week. I, we, should uh, do, we should do it every Monday. <laughs> oh, I'm God. not struggling. I just stayed up too late playing uh, Final Fantasy. Really? Which one? Uh, seven Remake. Seven Remake? Yeah, I got it for PC because it was on sale and I cranked the graphics settings up and it's a gorgeous game. All right. Well, you're going to go. You're going to leave us uh, voice messages and hopefully, hopefully uh, you know, they're entertaining. Hello, this is Alex from the one and only Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I've been a long-time listener since about 2016, and I love the podcast. So I just want to say thank you, guys. Keep up the good work. Oh, okay. Hey, thanks. Quick and easy if you're going to, you know. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Jason from the Nerd Cave Retro Show. You guys were talking about not being able to get good deals at the flea markets anymore for video games, and I've noticed the same thing, so I started collecting VHS tapes. They're really easy to find these days. I like to go for things like horror movies and science fiction movies, things that weren't really given a good DVD treatment. Or you can find good collector's items, uh, collector's editions like uh, Evil Dead, where you get like booklets and stuff with them. What do you guys think about that? Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Look at these VHS collectors trying to pump up the market, trying to get it out there. <laughs> well, I see what you're doing. I have no interest. I here's the thing: if I was going to be a movie collector, that's different to me. Like you said, oh, we're going to find a, a sci-fi film that never was put on DVD. You get the VHS. That's actually kind of cool to me. But like the vast majority of the VHS you go and find are, are stuff from like the '90s and, and 2000s, and they're trash. I think like uh, '80s VHS collecting is interesting because that's where you're probably still going to find a lot of the stuff that never made a transition. Or maybe the art was better back then. Sure, it wasn't as cheap, but like. I don't think that's why a lot of these people are getting into this, uh, at least now. I talked to someone at Too Many Games. It's like, hey, Pat, thanks for thanks for talking about VHS tapes. Now people are buying them because, because you guys talked about it. Just just to get into it, get in early. I think that's the thing. It's like if you're getting in for the love of it, I, I have no problem. 
of anything. But it's like when you say like, why don't you do it? It's like because I don't have any interest in it. I'm not going to click something, Ian, just to say, well, it might be something cool in the future. I just don't have the time or space or need to do it. Yeah, I'm sort of I'm sort of collected out at this point. We got our things like Ian has his LPs and games. I have games and like toys, uh, and that's basically. That's it. Some I, people I, have balsamic vinegar. Some people have balsamic vinegar, which sounds like you want to. You should have went. You should have taken the invite and gone up, Ian. I could have could have done some bread and oil. Hey, you you had PT. a scheduled interview with good old with yeah. good old uh, ex CEO, and you could have done that at some point. Hey, did you guys ever see that movie Beverly Hills Cop? Please let me know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, it's yes. great. Beverly Hills Cop, um, fantastic. The first one. The second one is. Eh. Uh, then you're doing a fourth one. The third, third one. Was, uh, I, li- I like the theme park scene where he's hanging from the Ferris wheel with Bronson Pinchot yeah. showing up again. Uh, yeah, the first one is like not a classic, but it's great. That's that was good. Help vault Eddie Murphy. Uh, famously, uh, Stallone like backed out last minute, like two weeks before filming, whatever it was, and they got in uh, Murphy and then rewrote the entire script on the fly to ca- account for. Uh, I think Murphy's a slightly different actor than Stallone, and obviously it's better for it. It's a great movie. Uh, the first one that was when uh, Murphy blew up. He was he was he keeps keep going back to this. He was so fucking young when he did those movies. Yeah, he was like, like eighteen or twenty. Yeah, he was very young. It was like eighteen when he started on SNL. I yeah, think eighteen, nineteen. So yeah. like he blew up when he was so young. Yep, he's only in his like mid fifties now. Like, it's, it's yeah. Every time I see him, I'm like, uh, how do you still look like that? Oh, because you're not actually old. That mustache just makes no, you look older like than you 58 were. Fifty eight or yeah. whatever. He's not that old. Uh, next one. Hi, Pat. Hi, Ian. Stefan from Arizona hey, here. Stephon. Long-time listener, second-time caller. Wait, wait. I have one question for each of you. You both can answer them, but they are slightly tailor-made for the both of you. Okay. Ian, what is your favorite PS2 Atlas game, uh, be it published by them or developed by them, and whether it's your favorite right now or of all time? Pat, what games do you feel will be less known about nowadays if they weren't associated with certain YouTubers? To give two specific examples, Ugh. I feel like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde yes. on NES would probably not be as well known if it weren't for its relation to, you know, James Rolfe's AVGN. And I feel like Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat probably wouldn't be as well known if it were not for you two. Cheers, guys. I'm not sure why I said that. I never heard of that game before. <laughs> uh, for me, it, it would be uh, Stella Days was a... Uh, strategy RPG that was published by Atlas on the PlayStation 2. Uh, I I adore it. I thought the graphical style was great. Um, it was a pretty straightforward strategy RPG that didn't get bogged down in a lot of mechanics. Um, and the characters were good. And uh, there was hidden characters and stuff like I, It was fantastic. I mean, he took the one I was going to say. No one would have heard of that game besides hardcore, you know, NES fans and collectors. Um Man, that's the one. He, it's even like the one game he always calls back because of that. It was like the iconic early one that, like, it's so weird and bizarre. And, you know, it, we even called back to it in the uh, combat video. Sure. I feel like a lot of the later uh, releases probably wouldn't have been, like, uh, Panic Restaurant. Um, you know, something like that would not have probably been as well known if it weren't for people talking about it. Uh, Little Samson, I think, is almost entirely known at this point because of, you know, early YouTubers talking about it. When I was collecting NES, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was never a game that came up. Did you see my Panic Restaurant video before I before I came out here? No, I saw it oh. after you came here. Okay. wonder how Allison's doing. She was great in those videos. She put up with my, with my garbage and didn't even in the balls for real. On the Google 13 video on take number two, I believe. So I used that take. Nice. <laughs> nice that you need me in the ball. Nice. Nice. 
Uh, next one. Hello, Pat Ian. This is Mike from Raleigh, North Carolina. Just want to say I've been a fan of the podcast for a long time. Thanks, Mike. And I was watching an old episode, and I noticed that Ian has an adult with a period sticker on the back of his laptop. Ian, what other electronic bands are you into? I'm heavily into Detroit Techno, so you can pretty much go through that genre lineup, and you'll find some of my favorite artists. Awesome to Chicago House, Industrial, Electro, Drum Bass, name it, and I'm into what the it. Hell? Anyway, keep up the good work, and thank you. Bye. You in the bar, uh, in the barn somewhere with like crickets? What, what was that? Was that, chir- <laughs> is that chirping? Um, yes, I love electronic music. It's pretty much been the main form of music I've listened to since the you know early to mid nineties. Um, Adult is great; they're fantastic live. Uh, in that sort of you know uh, vein, I really like uh, Contravoid. I like uh, Spike Hellis. Um, I like uh, Trust. Uh, I would absolutely recommend people listen to Trust. Um, so yeah, tons of it. Who's that cute cat in the, in the spacesuit? I don't know. Uh, I think I got that from Helen, actually. Oh, well, I've spoken to Helen a bit. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Nick from Richmond, Virginia. Um, I had a question about video game parties. Um, I hosted a video game party a couple of years ago, and I want to host one again soon. Um, but I was wondering if you guys have ever done something like that, or hosted a party that's centered around playing video games. Uh, I don't think I have. Before I've done the board, everyone's done the board game night. Mm-hmm. Everyone's done the board game night. I don't know if I ever had a, hey, come over, let's play play Wii Sports or been to a. I've been at. I've talked about how when I first moved here, how the Wii was still so hot in two thousand nine and ten. How I went to parties with younger people and it was like wine flowing, drinking, and then playing Wii bowling. That was the thing, but that wasn't design. It was just something to do, you know, while you're drinking. Yeah, you know. Um, I I never. I don't think I ever really did because uh, when friends would come over, you know, throwing on a multiplayer game was just kind of something that, you know, mm-hmm. happened. I, it, we didn't need to plan a specific party for playing video games because, you know, we'd all hang out on Sundays and play games anyways. I sure. Guess. Nothing wrong with it. You know, it's fun. But, yeah, I just don't think I ever went out of my way to plan that specifically. Hey, Pat. Hey, and it's your boy Lamco64 from Nottingham, UK again. Just listening to your new episode where you're talking about anachronisms in movies and TV shows, uh, referencing the Stranger Things episodes. This is a massive pet peeve of mine. Really bugs me when you see somebody play, blatantly playing a Game Boy Advance or something, and you're getting stupid Pong slash Atari noises coming out of it. <laughs> Can you think of any particularly egregious examples of this? Um, I'll mention one that you didn't spot from Stranger Things or didn't mention that you spotted. Uh, you can actually hear in the arcade on it, uh, E-Honda laughing. Uh, yes. About eight years too early on that one. No yeah. No, no, I, I heard that. But... Thanks, guys. Yeah, Lamco. Yeah, I heard that. I just, with its sound effects, that's just, they were trying to fill the air. I don't mind that. It was a ho, ho, ho. Um, from, yeah, it was, it was in the episode. Um, I don't have any, like, specific examples, but I that always annoyed me, too, how... Uh, even in like the late nineties and mid two thousands, it's really only been since maybe 2010 on where we start getting remotely accurate representations of video games and things like movies and sitcoms instead of this big unwieldy controller that no one would ever, ever use with like beeps sure. and bloops coming out of it. And like video games always look rough in nineties, nineties TV. I like when the video games are showing up on Night Rider. Oh, <laughs> sometimes he plays an Atari game on the screen while, while kids drive sure. for him. And then uh, there's some there's some arcade games that are in the background here and there, like in the bars and stuff. It's like, oh, what is that? What is that game? 
You know, trying to trying to look for one that's like like a lost game that's on a set that was on a set in '83. I think it's interesting. Hey guys, this is Calico from California. I'm just curious okay. if you played any older games on older game consoles. So that would be the Dreamcast, even the original Xbox or PS2, the GameCube. Um, I mean, even the X-Link Sky or the Ramnet. Um, I know for me, I've been playing a lot of Fantasy Star Online version 2 oh. on the Dreamcast on private servers. It's not the same, but I never really got the original experience. I uh, love the podcast, and I love action napkins. Thanks. No, the only thing I ever did was I, I think I, I just used to play like when the emulators had built-in net play for like NES or Super. That's that's all I've ever so done. So what was like, the question again? It was... Have you played any older game consoles online? Yeah, I have, but I mean, I played the Dreamcast. Oh, does he mean, the, does he mean in the, back in the day or now? Yeah, that I'm not certain. Oh. I've always wanted to play Fantasy Star Online version 2 on an actual Dreamcast now, because I know there's still people who do fan servers, so I'd maybe look into that. Back in the day, I definitely played, you know, Dreamcast games online. That was one of the things I loved about it, was it was, this, you know, the first system with, like, some real online support. But uh, I haven't gone back to any, really. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Jason from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, longtime fan of the podcast and of Friendly's Restaurants. Yeah. And this question is for Ian. I have been uh, really into these mini arcade consoles lately and playing a bunch of them and a bunch of shooters. So my question is, which of these bullet hell shooters that I suck at but for some reason can't stop playing uh, do you think is better? Taito's Darius Gaiden or Neo Geo SNK's blazing star that's it keep the good work thanks guys ah i love both of them i don't know that i'd consider either of them bullet hell but they're both really really good shooters um i i really like blazing star um i do a lot but uh it's one of those ones that never grabbed me i guess as much as i was hoping it would meanwhile i love uh, darius gate and i love the art in it i love the weird you know uh fish themed uh enemies uh, so while both are good i would give the edge to darius gaden well i got a game for you called deep blue if you're into the fish shooter genre the, the, <laughs> the huge fish shooter genre that game came into uh, luna like three times and i just kept passing uh, on it <laughs> you got you got deep blue you got schoon uh, uh, in in the hunt in the hunt never heard of that in one in the hunt is another submarine shooter by irem that came out in the 90s but how many are you an actual fish like deep blue yeah an actual fish shoot another fish it's so bizarre it's, it is fucking I'll weird. do a few more i'm having fun we're getting done early hey guys it's Daryl from buffalo hey, again Darryl. up here in buffalo we have a certain retro store that likes to put green labeled stickers on their games Sometimes they put them on labels. Sometimes they put them on the boxes and so forth. Mm. They're a real pain in the butt to get off. Ian probably figures what store I'm talking about. Here's the issue with this. They've been putting them on the labels and damaging the labels and so forth of the games. Yeah. um, It's kind of hard to tell a store, hey, don't do that, but... You know, like like, there's other parts of a cart. Usually, you can put the label. No, that's not that's not the the art. You know, um, I've seen on boxes where they do they use something else where it's like a harder sticker on like um, not a sticky but something like a sticky where it comes off easier so it doesn't damage. What we used to always do uh, is the labels that we had were easy remove, uh-huh. and on like you know PS on DVD case games, you know they just get slapped right on there. Sure, with NES games. Why would you put any cartridge game? Why would you put it on the label? There's all sorts of places on there, like bare plastic that you can put those labels Um, with boxes. 
it depends if you want to spend the money and get protectors for all your box games and most of them are not worth that kind of treatment um you know you can put it right on there what i used to do and no one ever complained about it i'd hang the sticker off the side basically i'd use if the sticker is this big i'd use like two millimeters of it and just it looks like a little flag flying off the gotcha. side you pick it up you just pop it off and that's it and for the most part you were good to go you I, I never yeah no one ever complained i never saw a box damaged that way gotcha do like two more hey pat hey ian it's peter from delaware hey pete uh, recently, Ian talked about how he gets to your house about 45 minutes before you start shooting. So I was just curious, like, what the ritual is like ritual. once Ian gets to your house and until you start shooting, like, you guys fist bump, chest bump it out. <laughs> uh, I am not chest bumping Ian. Offer some refreshments. What's going on? Thank well, you. it's usually you don't think you ever said forty five minutes. It's usually over an hour, yeah, at least. Sometimes it's an hour and a half. So it's two, depending on what we have to do and prepare. It's not. It's, it's not there's, there's like a ritual, but it's not exciting. If it's two hours, it's because you're puttering around. Wow, yeah. show preps puttering. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I, I, we. Pat sits on his computer and checks to see if there's new stuff that we need to talk about. I sit down here, I open up the topic list, and there's usually one topic that I didn't give enough attention to, so I read over it. Uh, I usually slam a Diet Coke. Uh, tall boy. It's a tall boy today. I usually bring two Diet Cokes and a Polar Water. I usually slam one Diet Coke. Uh, which, which brings me to Ian's bathroom breaks. Yeah. Uh, usually just two before the podcast. And uh, usually I'm ready to go, all right, and then Ian just walks out when I'm like literally ready to start. I do that at the movie theater too, though. It's just, it's it, it's piss panic. I get piss panic. I'm literally like, all right, let's go. And like, Ian's already gone. Well, because I don't want to have to go in the middle. So like, it. When, when right. it, like when it's movie theater time, I go and I pee when we get there. And then we sit down. And when I'm sure there's like, one preview left i get up and so i go you do again. a second pre-pee just in case i do a second pre-pee just a in pre-pee case. yeah um that's funny as hell but yeah, that's happened a lot where i'm like all right ready to go and then ian's just not here and I'm sometimes like, it's kind of amusing so maybe sometimes it's comedic timing for me so i'm frustrated <laughs> i'm already frustrated enough sometimes sometimes we have technical issues that you know i'm like not ready to throw things but it's like weird shit i can't figure it out sometimes it's discord issues you know, it's there's a lot of stuff that happens uh, sometimes beforehand, and, and we have to do our sponsors, our, our advertisers that love us. We have to do those. We, yeah, we have to you know promote good old monk packs. Save, save using code CU podcasts or tasty bars. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. Get, get your tasty bars. Well, we have to do that. Hey, Pan Ian, this is Zemangs in Japan. A while back, you were asking about Ninja Gaiden OVA. There actually is a Ninja Gaiden anime that aired in Japan. It's oh. like 40 minutes long. You can watch it on YouTube. Okay. There's also a Salamander, a.k.a. Life Forest anime to enjoy. Neat. Recently, I've been noticing uh, mostly musicians, but a few YouTubers being annoyed about having to use social media to promote their art, you know, their music or videos or whatever. For me personally, as someone who does do YouTube, I think a promotion via Twitter or Instagram or TikTok to be an extension of my art so I was just wondering how you guys feel about having to use social media to promote yourselves and what are your thoughts and your strategies of promotion. Anyway, guys, love and peace. Hopefully you can come to Japan soon. Oh, thanks. I mean, without social media, less people know about you. So to me, it's like it's part and parcel of what you do. I mean, if, if you're if without social media, how are you going to promote promote what you're doing? How are people going to know about it? To me, yeah, it's just, it's just it's the modern hilarious. way of doing it. I'm bad at promoting myself and what I do, but I don't I don't. 
a lot of the people I follow on social on Twitter are artists because they're on there promoting their yeah. art, and it's an easy way to be like, I want to look at some art from this artist and click them and go through. I I want people to promote the cool shit they're uh, doing. I follow these people because some of them are my friends, but I follow a lot of people because I just want to know what the, they're up to. The days of like the individual websites is over. Yeah, people just have like I have like a link tree. The sort of thing that you go there and you access, you can access my web store there, my Instagram, my Twitch, you know, Twitter, Facebook. Like that's what people have at most. That's all you need. You don't need to have your own individual site unless you're doing like, you know, like long, long form blogs and shit like that. Well, even that there's separate sites for, right? You used to do the question and answer thing. That was a separate thing. But yeah. it's all, but you can all just have like, like there's other things besides Linktree. Some people don't like Linktree. I think some people don't like that. I think their politics is weird. I gotta look into it. But like there's a bunch of sites where it's just like, oh, here's all my shit. Here's my contact. Here's all my crap. So that, that's, yeah, I, I don't see it. I, I, I mainly use my main account just for promotion, just because I don't like getting bogged down on Twitter. And whenever someone tries to have a conversation with me, there's a 50% chance it's in bad faith uh, sometimes where I'm just like, this is a bad faith conversation. They just want to argue with me. It's not worth my time. Uh, and, and that comes with the territory. Once you gain a certain amount of followers, I get that. So in general, for me, social media is like, oh, let's just read, 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 read it and look at cat memes and cute pictures, look at zoo creatures. But in terms of the interaction, I, I try not to get bogged down in it too much, unfortunately. All right. Um, so we have to have someone check in with us. Um, the Amico has come to a close, by and large, besides maybe bankruptcy hearings, whatever drama, selling it off into pieces. So it seems that, you know, there's been less to talk about. And uh, I think uh, a certain CEO thinks that, uh, you know, maybe time has been wasted. Uh, so you got the word that, you know, there's going to be, be this, this, this might be it. This might be it for someone checking in with us. It might be. Might be. Hello, Pat. Hello, Ian. This is a very hard call for me to make, but it had to be made. I shan't be calling into this show anymore. And I'm sorry I ever started, because no one understands me. I should really be in an emo band, and I think everyone knows it would be the greatest emo band that ever existed. But I've wasted too much time calling you, and it's time to get back to what I am a master at. I have nothing left to say to any of you, besides what I'm going to say in this song. I may say you're gaming racists, but you're not the only ones. I hope someday you'll buy my Amigo, so I can take all your money. Please give me your money. Please. <laughs> Getting way behind on those Sega Channel payments. Thank you. Fare thee well, Tommy. Fare thee well. Good luck on wherever life takes you, Tom Tom. We'll see you down the road. It's, it's, it's been a legendary run, Tom. And that's it for the CU podcast. That's it. I don't got a whole lot more to say. We're ending on an emotional note. Well, a little, little emotional there at the end. <laughs> a little, little emotional. <sighs> I told myself I wasn't going to cry. Yeah. But, uh, this has been a fun one. It has. Uh, we'll be back to Tuesday next week. 
unless Ian has a follow up <laughs> on Monday, on the Tuesday. No. Um, and then again, I'll be in South Carolina this weekend. And then uh, fucking five weeks from now, five weeks, six weeks, uh, five, six weeks, we'll be in Long Island already. Yeah, that's right. I'm looking forward to it. We're already in the dog days of summer. Almost. We're getting there. What's the dog days of summer? Like late July, middle July? I would say August is what they like. like, uh, Yeah. Like first two weeks of August. See, to me, peak summer vacation was always 4th of July. Like that's like the fireworks, get the barbecue. And then once you get to August, I always say it was the worst month of the year because it was the dread of going back to school. Yeah, July was a was a treat every year. Um, but yeah, August, first couple weeks, okay. The first week, but once you get down to those last two weeks, you don't want to fucking do anything. No. June to me was always the best because I, I, I got used to get out of school early June. Like, oh, see, we used to get out. We used to get out uh, like. Uh, June like 23rd or something and then oh, yeah. our our break would be till uh, we'd usually go back after uh, Labor Day. Oh, okay. So we'd go see, back like the yeah the day after Labor Day. Well, I usually did that but like I, we were out by like June 10th. Mm. We were out um, and then high school was about that like first week and a half of June. Senior year of high school going to Catholic high school was like you were out by mid-May. They got your ass out early. They didn't want the seniors around causing trouble for some reason. But we were out. I remember that was nuts. It was like, oh, you're done by like May. I think it was like May 20th. Yeah, you're that's out. crazy. May 18th. Like they wanted you out. It was really interesting. Ah, they knew what grades you. They knew what grades you had. They got through the finals quickly. It was almost like academic at that point. It was like, yeah, we know what you are. We don't have to put you through like the hell hellscape of all these. You still had finals, but I remember uh, senior year in high school being kind of weird because of that. It didn't feel the same. Right? No, it didn't. Everyone just fucked off kind of early, and there was no, like, end date anymore. And I hated it because I had, um, uh, I, the one time I had study hall, I had in sixth period. If it was seventh, I could have asked to go home early. Like, you could have yeah. got permission. So I had sixth period. And looking back, I was like, yeah, I wasted it. But I was like, no, I'm going to relax. I got enough credits. I'm good in high school. I'm good. I was on the dean's list. I, I knew it was up. All right, that's it for the podcast. We're done. Bye. We'll, we'll see you later.